Hi, I'm Eric Winioff, and I'm today's guest on Tech Talk Travel. Welcome back to another episode of TechTalk.Travel. Today I've got a really great guest with me, someone that I've known for a very, very long time, Mr. Eric Munoz from Vertical Booking. How are you, man? Good, good. Nice good. to be here with you on TechTalk.Travel. Thank you for Thank inviting you. me. Thank you. Thanks for being here. You're Chief Commercial Officer at uh, Vertical Booking. Yes. We've known each other a long, long time. I think we first met, let me think now, back in Sydney, 1998? I was going to say 96. 96? No, I think it was 98. But boy, that's a long time. That's going back a long way. Yes. Over that time, we've seen uh, a lot of change in this industry when it comes to technology. Absolutely. Um, here we are in Munich today. Right. A long way from Sydney. Yes, indeed, we are a long way from Sydney. And that's a story in itself, how we ended up here <laughs> on this side of the planet, but we won't go into that. Um, Eric, I think what I'd really like to talk a little bit about today is um, how you've seen over this 20 years that you and I have both known each other and worked in this industry, wh what have you seen as the most dramatic change that's probably impacted um, more, not, not, I wouldn't say the global side of the industry, the larger change, but more the, the longer tail, the independents and the smaller operators, because yes. I think that's really um, where I perhaps have seen the most dramatic change yes. um, that has impacted these, guy, these guys, and I think they themselves have in many ways perhaps struggled to maintain the upkeep and to maintain their, uh, their finger on the pulse with technology, yeah. not, not through them not really wanting to or having a, it's not a criticism, I think it's just a reality that their pure focus is on running their business yes. and dealing with their guests. Yeah, it's a good question because it really makes me think in a way that I don't typically think each day, so mm -hmm. it's, it's great to have this opportunity to, to discuss these things. I have to put things in context, so um, you're formerly with Marriott, right? I'm formerly Hilton. I don't know if you've met many Hilton people, but we're pretty proud. Mm. We're ex-Hilton. If you don't, with the Marriott, yeah, if you don't know good. that we're ex-Hilton, don't worry. Just give us five minutes. We'll tell you about it, <laughs> right? Um, and I was really, I've been really lucky a lot throughout my career. So when I was in uh, hotel school, I started working with Hilton. I didn't know Hilton from a other brand or literally any other hotel. I was brand new into hotel school, super keen, learning about hospitality, the hotel business, F&B operations, everything, right? But while I was at college, I was also working at the Hilton, and ultimately when I finished my diploma, my studies there, I moved into front office or rooms division. And again, luckily, um, spent the first 18 months on night audit. Didn't realize it at the time, but you learned so much about the hotel business at night audit, and um, I don't have to go into the detail there, but I was really lucky because I didn't realize at the time that, that my training and experience that I gained at Hilton, all the SOPs, brand standards, were really, really good mm -hmm. <laughs> in terms of how to operate a business. Mm -hmm. It was only once I left that particular um, company and joined a small boutique hotel, let's say without SOPs, that I realized, oh, okay, without wanting to... <laughs> 
uh, sound too conceited, I would be like, well, this is how we used to do it at Hilton, or this is how we could perhaps handle cash-only guests and these kind of things. Anyway, where I'm getting to on, on this is that um, what I've seen firsthand when I was brand new in the industry with, with Hilton, later with boutique hotels, later with luxury resorts, is that the brand of a property is not necessarily consistent with the uh, service delivery, or what I like to call the art of hospitality. Because this is something that's always intrigued me in that TripAdvisor, and uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan of TripAdvisor, I'm not a fan of untrusted, unverified reviews. Yeah. So there's, there's, yeah. there's definitely, when I say I'm a fan of TripAdvisor <coughs> in its purest form, I'm a fan, however, there's definitely an issue there with unverified reviews. Hence, booking and Expedia highlighting their verified reviews. But if you think back to the hotel business and big brands, so within Marriott, the JW Marriott, Ritz-Carlton, luxury brands, and Hilton, and oh, there are luxury brands. TripAdvisor wouldn't really have risen to prominence and influence if the brand standard was consistent. Mm. In other words, every Grand Hyatt, every Ritz-Carlton was bang on. You know, so um, I think within the hotel chain, they do um, their own QA and analysis of service delivery, but that's public now as well. That's not just an independent audit of the hotel. So that's one thing that I think is um, an, on an ongoing element of the hospitality business. You don't have consistent brand standards. You also have a challenge where the big brands and independents have different types of owners, and maybe the owner of brand X has invested in, you know, furniture and fittings, etc. Hasn't invested to maintain the product, the physical product, of this brand standards. And of course, the, the management company has trouble sometimes saying, well, you know what, you're actually not a risk company anymore. Or actually, no, you're not, not, not a grand hire anymore. You're, should we hire agency? Those sort of conversations. So you have those elements. So TripAdvisor has now. And, and other, um, the way I look at it is your, your let's say, uh, service delivery, your, your brand performance, let's call it, it's now public. It's like having a report card at school, but now it's actually, your report card is public now, okay? Now, at the same time, from an owner's perspective, if I'm the owner of a property, and I've got, let's say, Marion Hilton, saying this is a, Upper upscale or whatever terminology they use because they've got 30 or 40 different brands each. Right? And a lot of these developments are purpose built to fit a certain you know, mixed use development. It's ultimately a real estate business. What's fascinating is that you know, I don't think there's any brand, let's call it let's call Mario and Hilton, that can really make a promise on marketing efficiency, leveraging their loyalty program, of course, for, for certain markets the way a big OTA could. And I spoke about this in, in another conversation recently. Imagine you're the owner of the hotel. You're sitting next to CMO at Hilton.com. I'm not sure between Marriott and Hilton. And the CMO from Booking says, why don't you make a collection by Booking.com? What's that? We can call it whatever you want, but basically a selected property that we will essentially take over your digital marketing distribution. Yeah. 
and let's put it on a performance basis. And so not, not a management agreement, but let's call it a marketing representation. Mm. Who, could, who could argue with the efficiency of the big OTAs? They are so dominant. In, a, in an era where, from a consumer's point of view, they want a, they want a good stay, depending on their purpose for their visit. You and I travel a lot um, for leisure or for work, and then if you're traveling with family or a group of friends or for a conference, there are all different factors involved as to why we book and, and um, where we can book. So for me, to get back to your original question, the biggest change has been the rise and influence and efficiency of the big online players and the relative poorer performance from the big hotel brands because quite honestly and practically, any small independent hotel can have equivalent, if not better technology than the big hotel chains. Yeah, it, it, definitely today. Right? Oh, it used think. to be to join Best Western or to join yeah. Choice or other brands yeah. like, yeah. or you plug into their CRS, their right. ecosystem, right. their loyalty program. Okay, but any small independent now can have a, a CRS, PMS, CRM, yeah. arguably as good if not better revenue management or business intelligence tools. And this for me is, um, let's, call it, let's call it a perfect storm. A perfect storm of brand, relative brand performance um, below the big online players. At the same time, technology has evolved and continues to evolve very, very rapidly. Mm. So in the hotel CRS space, for example, this is another area that's, that's evolved very as well. You have, um, let's say, incumbent products or systems out there that are Product, a, a mishmash of different bolt-ons versus platforms that were designed to handle all types of online or offline bookings. And this is something we talk about every day. Mm. Um, a hotel, let's say an independent hotel might say, um, we have a channel manager and then we have a different booking engine and we're using this person for GDS and we're outsourcing this for MetaSearch and our website is done by these people and even when that's integrated, which is not that difficult to integrate these hodgepodge of different systems, at the end of the day, how efficient is it or how fast can you react when you need to? And there are marketing opportunities there on distribution or campaigns. How fast and efficiently can you move? And then equally, what's the visibility yeah. into, your, into your business? Yeah, yeah. I think one of, the, one of the key points on that is really whether or not in the future certain products are going to be able to, to predict that, have some kind of predictive mm -hmm. function in them so that you don't actually need to worry about that. You can perhaps set a, a range or a target or a specific goal that you want to achieve yeah. and then you just hit a button and then this, 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 through AI or through, this, through the autonomy of the system that it can actually do it for you. It's something that um, a few platforms are trying to achieve today but I think it's still not quite there. And a lot of it has to do with the integrations with other services that are dependent on that. So I think yes. you, you make a good point. And I think moving forward, that's probably going to be um, really a, a key point for a lot of providers in the marketplace, tech providers in the marketplace in terms of how they want to go. I was watching, I think it was one of your, um, your recent um, two smart fellas 
And you mentioned something about, on the PMS platform, you mentioned something about the overall um, hotel management solution as opposed to just PMS. And I really thought to myself, yeah, you're absolutely right. I really think that is really where I think the future lies for a lot of uh, organizations or tech providers. Yes. So it's going to be a very, very interesting space. And I think as well, something that they need to consider also moving out of this space. And I've spoken a little bit about this with a couple of other folks that I've had on, on this vlog and this interview uh, in this season is that the 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 WeChat component and the the auto pay solution through WeChat or the payment solution through WeChat and and the outcoming or the outgoing tourist of um, the Chinese outbound traveler that is uh, I think something that a lot of uh, hotel operators and even software providers need to consider and and look at ways that they could market themselves to that because that is a growing yeah. sector. It can't be ignored. No, absolutely. Market. Remember the 80s in Australia, big Japanese inbound yes, market, yes, yes. and the tour series out of Taiwan. Yeah. So um, from an Australian perspective, I know this, this applies globally, you have, you have rise and falls of different source markets, different geographies. Mm. Um, Thailand gets a lot of guests from Northern Europe. Mm. Surprise, surprise. It's mm. sunny and warm in Thailand, mm. relatively accessible, mm. good, good value for money. Mm. So now, globally, course everyone is going to be benefiting a lot more in the future and already are from the outbound Chinese yeah. market and you know better than me that China is not just one market China is arguably 50 different markets the way you and I or anybody looks at Europe or Asia is another example that Asian market what Asian market there's 20 different 30 different cultures and languages and styles. Mm -hmm. It's the same can be applied to, to mainland China. Mm -hmm. I'm not even talking about Hong Kong, Macau, and, and Taiwan. Um, so China is not just a single market. China no. itself is, let's say, 50 markets. Yeah. Um, you and I both know that very well. So uh, for me, it's, it's absolutely in the mix of how to properly address different types of Chinese travelers, because they really are mm -hmm. different types of um, mm -hmm. segments. The tour series to the luxury traveler, to millennial, to to the to the but segment who just actually buys, on, on buys a hotel point, chain. There is a shift in that. in that as well. They are evolving to become a lot more independent. The group traveler in China is diminishing. They're not going out anymore on those buses, following the flags. They are becoming more um, braver in their in their habits. Um, they've got more money to spend. Um, and they want to have more authentic experiences. And I think that is really the key. And it doesn't matter where they travel, whether it's in Europe or even in their own backyard in Asia. And a lot of them still travel throughout Southeast Asia as well. Um, there's a massive opportunity there that I, I think is still not being maximized by a lot of people in our industry. And I'm, I'm almost waiting for someone to come along with the right solution to, to, to fit, fill that gap. If I'm an independent operator, <laughs> How can I best secure my data in that sense? I mean, if, if one of your customers from Vertical Booking, they come to you and say, I'm really concerned about this, this security of, of, of information. How, how does a company like Vertical Booking assure them that it's safe? Like, what is it that you guys are doing to, to, to secure that data for? First and foremost, best practice in terms of PCI DSS compliance. Yeah. And there are many levels to PCI compliance. Yeah. Um, so we, we level two, we're moving to level one now. And that's just something that's not a, a band-aid solution. Oh, we tick the box, self-certified PCI compliance level five, whatever. No, no, it's an ongoing process. And if you've ever gone into this in a lot of detail, you'll see that it's 
a huge undertaking. It's not trivial at all. It goes to every single part of the solution, even the people who have access to the solution from the user's perspective, from the supplier's perspective. And I put it into really simple terms. Way back in the day, in my Hilton times, and you'd be the same, where you have credit card check-in. Remember the zip-zap machines? Mm -hmm. Click, click. Mm -hmm. And then you attach that to the back of the registration card. And all the reg cards are there. And it comes to checkout time. Yeah. And that credit card, so e even physical records of guest payment methods are already being exposed for sure mm. in many, many locations. Mm. Now, that was 20-odd years ago. So today, um, your, your, your key systems must be PCI compliant. Mm. When I say key systems, I mean your distribution platform, so CRS, and your, your PMS. That's, they're the touch points. Now, we can talk about point of sale and other retail areas where payments occur, but that's, that's critically important. So, and it doesn't necessarily mean you need to be cloud, although cloud as a platform tends to be easier to control. It's, a more, it's an environment that, can, that is already very geared towards very stringent, approved security levels, uh, data access levels. But, but again, it doesn't just mean, oh, we're putting this in Amazon, we're putting this in whatever data center, sorted. No, no, no. How is your uh, database architected? Where does the guest profile reside? Where the payments reside, what kind of what type of encryption are you using for this data? Oh, it's it's more than just banging it on the cloud. So, yeah, I mean, a simple uh, piece of advice would be uh, make sure your key systems are compliant. Yeah, um, and not just that, but have a history and a track record of compliance. Not just um, we we're, we're flicking everything to this third party who's going to manage everything. And it's all tokenized, which can be a good solution. You want to know that it's been tried and tested, uh, not just a brand new mm. quick fix. Well, there are, there are some very good um, providers that offer that solution. Uh, PCI Booking, for example, is a good company that do that. And I've worked with them in the past, and I've found them very supportive and very, very good at what they're doing. Um, just, just quickly on this topic, does Vertical Booking actually um, secure, secure PCI data themselves? Have you done that yourselves, yes. or do you outsource that service? We've looked at either option. Right. And, um, we're an engineering company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know a lot of um, product development companies or software companies in the past have tried to do it themselves, and I think they didn't. They underestimated the the brevity of the actual task, and it took them perhaps sometimes twice as long and cost them twice as much to to actually do that. Could have been something that we may have outsourced back in the day. I wasn't. Yeah. Um, like I said before, we're, we're an engineering company, and as a hardcore engineering company, I don't. Yeah a core DNA. We look at these solutions from an engineering perspective and not necessarily speed to market or could it be all more efficiently done via a third party? Yeah. Maybe so, but that's where that's what a company that way. So, but yeah, I've had heard of those. Um, we, have, we have partners who use third parties for, for their um, piece of the PCI compliance puzzle. I think this pros and cons either way. Mm -hmm. And it also ties a little bit back to what we were talking about before with this overall solution of a hotel management solution. Mm -hmm. I think whoever can, if someone comes up with a product like that, how do they build in that type of security to support that, yes. as well as GPNR? So it's, there's a whole different, um, yeah, whole different set. So. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not unique for sure in saying that, okay, today we're talking acronyms about PMS and CRS. RMS, CRM, 
Okay, these are acronyms we use. ROAS, in terms of what kind of metric do we really need to know about in terms of our investment in, in MetaSearch. But coming back to these acronyms, um, hotel management system is really what hoteliers need. Mm. What, yeah, what, what do you need in a hotel? What would that online direct business, yeah. offline direct business. Mm. We also work through third parties, intermediaries. Mm. We want to have some type mm. of CRM functionality to engage with our guests correctly and yeah. measure loyalty. These are all modular solutions from different suppliers today. Yeah. It's no surprise that um, the best of breed or the most open of these platforms will collaborate and integrate at scale. Mm. And we're talking about actually only one side of the business too. Uh, really, the, the 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 part where the guest is exper experiencing the hotel prior to their arrival, and the hotels dealing with the guests prior to their arrival. We're actually not talking about the on-property experience, and and I think even a hotel solution needs to consider ways that that experience for the guests can be enhanced as well. How they're checking in, what's happening when they're in the room, when they arrive in the room. Uh, when they leave, what's the checkout experience? Because yes. even today, the checkout experience compared to so many other industries is quite archaic in the way yes. that we handle that process. And you still see people lining up at a checkout desk yes. uh, waiting to go. And it's happened, I'm sure it's happened to you, it's happened to me, it's quite frustrating. Yes. And you think to yourself, surely there is a faster way. And there are companies now that are starting to introduce services like that, Kenichi being one of them. Um, and I think it's about it's about, uh, it's about time, and it'll be very interesting to see how that is adopted by the industry as a, as a larger entity. Um, that topic, so uh, guest checkout and um, that whole process. I won't mention the OTA, but I visited the head office of, a, of an OTA where I, I know the, the hotel integration team pretty well. And they were sharing with me some of their new innovations. Which will which will become public soon. Yeah. But let me just say I can that. Take a guess. Who it is. Well, yeah. Let's yeah. Do, no need to yeah. guess yeah. right yeah. now. <laughs> suffice to say, well, su suffice to say that um, big OTAs are providing more and more B two B business solutions so. to hoteliers. But this particular one revolves around uh, guest checkout. So guests guests who have the app of this OTA on their mobile have the ability to check out from the hotel. Mm and uh, avoid front desk. Just like on your Uber, you get all the receipts from your Uber, you get all your receipts for expense claiming in the app yeah. of this OTA. Yeah. Now the benefit to the hotelier is purely, um, let's say, giving the guests what they want, but also from a transaction basis, the cost of credit card processing fees that an OTA benefits from with a huge volume is probably going to be a lot more attractive to the hotelier than their credit card processing fees. So that's a trade-off there where the hotel reduces their processing fees on those credit card transactions. Mm. The OTA, of course, gets more engagement with the customer and owns that customer, not just from the time of booking, but throughout the guest stay. At, because making the, the app open the door lock, that won't be, that won't be difficult. Yeah. But for those corporate travelers or those loyalty app users, Having all the payments just done here, avoid the front desk. Yeah. It's fantastic. Have your invoice sent directly to your either your business email or your personal. Yes. And all, all of it, that process can be handled. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, yeah, so I see that the the B two B space, the, the big OTAs providing either PMS, a booking engine, website, a 
revenue management uh, systems mm. or pricing intelligence mm. data, mm. Uh, we're only the tip of the iceberg. Mm. That's going to be accelerating. Like um, you would have seen in, in with the interview with uh, Trivago and the Base Seven Booking PMS solution. I think that's a perfect complement to what is perceived as a complicated Absolutely. environment for many hoteliers. Wow. But what I love about uh, Trivago's strategy there is, and I think I'm quoting from the interview, is um, it wasn't Malta who was it you were speaking with. Johannes. Johannes. Mm. Yeah, Johannes said we would like to make it as simple as one click mm. for the hotel to do a, a marketing campaign or let's say um, digital marketing with, with Trivago. Mm. Brilliant. Mm. Yes. If it's literally one click. Now, so having a PMS like Base 7 Booking and a marketplace like Trivago, which I'm personally a fan of. Uh, you probably heard me with Trivago and Google Hotel Finder are my two. Yeah, we were talking about it last night. Yes, my yeah. two favorite um, ports of call yeah. for, let's say, personal um, travel search or hotel search. So, yes, I think if more companies just thought about the simplicity of, of uh, services and solutions and not necessarily think, well, we need to educate the hotelers, hoteliers on, a, on CPC benefits because realistically, the reality is CPC as, a, as an advertising model benefits the publisher, it benefits the platform. It's, it's less profitable to do pure CPA. You ask any of the big digital players, uh, I won't mention the brands, why they don't offer CPA, it's less pros profitable for the publisher. What about the what about hotel? They understand CPA. Yeah. So yeah. You, if you can make it one click, bundle it all up into a return on advertising spend, but that ROAS acronym again, yeah. um, which, which players in the market are, are providing that sort of technology today, I think that's going to, it's going again, to it also comes back to simplifying the process for the end user, in this yes. case, the hotel. Yes, hotel, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There's two more questions I want to quickly ask you. The first one is, um, what's your vision for the next five years in technology in this space? I know that's a very ambiguous question to ask, but you know, you're some, someone that knows this space so well. You've got all of the industry experience that you have. Where do you really see um, the next five years heading in, yeah. in this space? I'd be more confident on the next three years right. rather than five. I think five just seems like a millennia compared to how we used to think about evolutionary changes in platforms. Think about, you know, where, where I started, uh, IBM System 36 AS400s, yeah. then moving to DOS, PC, uh, Windows Client Server, and now Cloud. The next iterations, the next evolutionary changes in um, tech and platforms happening at an uh, exponential rate. So mm -hmm. I'm more confident on the next three years rather than five. But um, I think if you look outside hospitality, and I think that's really from a tech point of view, it's healthy to look outside because we've always been um, branded and labeled as oh, the hotel industry is always 10 years behind banking, 10 years behind retail okay, and other industries. And yeah, we know the lobby has to look good. The, uh, all the public areas must look good. Back office, we've seen some file servers stuffed away <laughs> in corners and cobwebs and spaghetti cabling and all that kind of stuff. So yes, but if we, if we can look outside the hotel industry, what's occurring in, in manufacturing industries and finance and other uh, big business, real business <laughs> sectors, right? Because um, hotels or 
hospitality is just one little sliver within travel mm. as a as an industry. Mm. Uh, and we see platform integrations, platforms as a service. So what I'm speaking about in terms of hospitality is like that's going to be absolutely a great benefit to startups as well as incumbent suppliers and solution providers because the number one headache, as we all know very well, is integrations because this is a very, very fragmented space. I believe it will remain fragmented just due to the nature of the hospitality business. Um, arguably when communications improve, let's say if, if globally we had fiber optic everywhere, level connectivity, okay, then we'd see some very rapid consolidation, but we're still uh, from a comms perspective, very tied into infrastructure, which varies by country and by region. So uh, I'm speaking about solutions like Snapshot, Impala, who are building those platforms for uh, solution providers, for tech hotels to be able to plug into an ecosystem or a platform, let's call it, and very easily chop and change and pull out different solutions. So that absolutely, I don't, again, uh, I'm, not, I'm not, a, not projecting anything here that I don't think anyone else is not also seeing. Mm. Equally though, I also see um, incumbent suppliers, new entrants, coming to market with a more complete solution. Mm. Now, it won't be necessarily a solution that's best in all areas. So I think the architecture needs to support um, pure software as a service, modular, and interactive yeah, yeah. and I think in, there'll be suppliers who do an all-in-one solution from the back office perspective all the way through to operations and distribution and marketing and sales etc mm. there'll also be uh, players existing suppliers who work very well with other complementary solutions it makes sense right it makes sense that if we look at a, a stack you were talking about a hotel management system look at the operation of the hotel Yes, we have operations and service delivery, from housekeeping to F&B to front desk. Uh, we also have marketing and sales, so your availability, your distribution, your pricing rules, digital marketing strategy, uh, and then your admin and finance or back office and HR and all those elements. Yes, you, you will have people offering all-in-one. You'll have leading suppliers in those areas playing very nicely and working very well together without necessarily defining themselves as we are a integrated platform, we're just intelligent, um, providing intelligent collaboration. Mm. We're, we're working well with other like-minded companies. You know, we all know PMSs who are like, don't, you, we, don't, we don't want to interface with you. We, we'll tell you that we'll interface with you, we're very open. But when we look at the fine print, you see, oh, actually, your, your integration request will be prioritized on a needs basis, right? And I'm not going to mention names. Yeah. Uh, so, so we all know those types of PMS companies who are not only, I shouldn't be cynical and say, look, strategically they're uh, averse to integrate with anybody, although there are those types, they're often very challenged from a tech perspective. Integrating systems is no trivial task, particularly as we you know, have different types of databases, different types of protocols and comms. I'm not just talking about XML SOAP type solutions versus uh, JSON REST integration. There are many other considerations. and. The least of, not the least of which is, let's call it um, the rules of integration. Where, where is the system of record for the guest? Is it in the PMS or is it in the CRS? Or in an environment where it's just an HMS solution 
It's the guest record. Where does that data get propagated? And where can it be edited and written back? And how is it used? So I'm now, now talking in, uh, in quite specific technical terms about the data management. But um, no, I think uh, we'll have definitely um, solution providers that play nice together. We'll have platform services like Impala and Snapshot. Yep. And then somebody will come out of left field, maybe from China, with a fantastic all-in-one whiz bag solution that actually is really good in all areas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so and just finally, Eric, um, what would be your advice to any um, person wanting to come into the industry, a young person or a graduating student from a hotel school? Uh, what would be some of the, the best advice that you could give someone if you were perhaps looking back to yourself? What would be the best advice that you could have got when you graduated or when you wanted yeah. to get into the industry? I think stay curious. It, it's either in your nature or not. Mm. How about if you're passionate about the industry? And this, is, this applies to anything in life. If you're passionate, you're going to be curious, stay curious, listen, learn, observe. Um, me personally, I, I learn more. I mean, yes, I do, I do read. I have um, subscriptions and other um, people that I follow, mentors in different fields to, to listen and learn from. And I think video is a, is a for me, is a, is a fantastic platform, not only to share information, but for me to also listen and learn and observe. Video for me is um, an excellent medium to share. Um, I get a lot of information from video. I like to use video. So rather than pumping out a, a nice looking infographic, yeah. now to look at um, complicated, um, fragmented data in a nice infograph can be beneficial. Mm. But unless you can speak and explain um, the benefits or the information behind that sort of data, I think that's very limited value. So on video, for example, I could be watching or listening to somebody, not in hotel technology, but something else that interests me, whether it's sporting related or someone analyzing something that I'm interested in. And I very quickly know whether, number one, am I interested in the content? Are they, are they engaging with me in a way that I understand? Do they know what they're talking about? And are they open? Are they open-minded enough to know that actually, well, maybe things do change and evolve. And I think um, both audio podcasts or video vlogs, whatever we like to call them, are a great medium for authenticity, content creation. Because it's very difficult to fake being an expert. It's very difficult to fake being genuinely passionate about this industry. So there are avenues, there are people to follow, that I follow. Um, but also leading this back into the, the student piece, I think yes. it's also a very good way for students to also get a direct connection with the, in the industry and hear from people that are directly involved. Ab absolutely, um, what's going on? Absolutely, because they they they're getting a perspective from an institution mm. that is often educating it in. I wouldn't wouldn't say old values or no. old ways, but certainly in ways that perhaps could be more modernized. But there, there are fundamental yeah. elements of yeah. the hotel business yeah. that are very, very valuable to be Absolutely. learned, Absolutely. for sure. But from a technology perspective, that dynamic is changing so much. Big time. And um, this is another reason why I started the Tech Talk or Travel yes. blog. Yeah. It's the, so that it can also be a, 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 an input for students. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and not a one-way dialogue, no. a two-way dialogue. Yeah. So, yeah. with tech-talk.travel, being able to engage with the brand, yeah. ask what you what content you'd like to see, or whether it's um, an event in, within the university or whichever region, to bring that information 
in the right format, in the, in the right style, to be con to be consumed by the audience. I think right. that's where um, my recommendation is: is to be curious, stay passionate, mm. and seek that information and, and ask. Mm. Reach out and ask. Mm. Can you explain this to me and that to me? And we're seeing more of that interaction, not just in video, but in um, platforms like LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. Which are now finally, I think, finding their legs as a yeah. as a useful B two B platform. Even though it's been clunky over the years, I think it's, it's, it's maturing. Yeah, yeah. Good. Very good. All right, Eric, listen, mate, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Um, last interview for season one. Okay, cool. Um, it's been a great ride this this season, I have yeah. to say. I think we've spoken to some very interesting people and I'm excited yes. about uh, the content that we've made. And um, if you enjoyed this video and if you'd like to, to see the others that you haven't already seen, perhaps from season one, please don't forget to look through, through the uh, playlist. They're all there. Um, hit the subscribe button. Um, hit the little uh, bell icon next to subscribe so that you get notifications as well when we release new videos. Uh, we're going to be back for season two. Uh, there'll be more content coming from season two. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to you guys joining and watching as we, we go along. So all the best. Thanks very much, Eric. It's been a great. Thank you. All the best. Ciao.